1980. Most people call it 1080. Some use expletives to describe it. Others use the term compound 1080. These descriptions all refer to sodium fluoroacetate. Fluoroacetate was first discovered in the 1930s as a toxic component of poisonous plants found in Australia, Africa, South America and India. Australia in particular has 40 plant species with naturally occurring fluoroacetate. The highest natural concentration is found in seeds of a South African plant at 8 milligrams, which is substantially higher than the 0.08 to 0.15 milligrams used in cereal baits in New Zealand. It is also found in many plants at low concentrations, such as tea leaves and puha, which we'll talk more about shortly. This naturally occurring fluoroacetate has been credited with sustaining native biodiversity in Australia, as it naturally controls the growth of introduced species populations, and native species populations have evolved to be immune to and wary of plants that contain it. Interestingly, there is a caterpillar in South Africa which can not only detoxify fluoroacetate, but also accumulate it and use it as a defense against predators. From the time of its discovery, work began on developing fluoroacetate into something that would kill rodents. In the 1940s, it was finally decided that the salt version, sodium fluoroacetate, would be the best form of fluoroacetate to use because of its ability to be easily broken down in water into harmless particles. It then received its acquisition number 1080 from two British scientists working on the substance in the USA at the Wildlife Research Centre. This number was used in scientific catalogues and then simply became its name. Sodium fluoroacetate is artificially produced by condensing methyl chloroacetate with potassium fluoride and then converting the fluoroester into salt. It sounds quite sciencey, but the process is rather simple. The ester has the water and acid removed by distillation, which is simple enough, and then it's added to potassium fluoride in a well-stirred autoclave, which is like a big pressure cooker at 200 degrees Celsius. That produces ethyl fluoroacetate, which is then added to an agitated tank containing caustic soda and methanol. This produces solid particles, which are then separated with a centrifuge, which is a big spinning machine that separates solids from liquids, and the solids are then vacuum dried and voila, you've got pure 1080. New Zealand imports pure 1080 from the Tull Chemical Company, which is a small family business in Alabama. The company produces around 5 tonne of 1080 per year and New Zealand imports 3.5 tonne of that, making us the highest user in the world. Other countries that use 1080 include the US, Mexico, Japan, Korea, Australia and Israel. Our 3.5 tonne goes a long way, as only 0.08 milligrams of it goes into each cereal bait. Synthetically produced fluoroacetate in 1080 is chemically identical to the naturally occurring fluoroacetate in plants. In fact, it's so similar that plants which produce fluoroacetate actually absorb the synthetic version, increasing their overall toxicity. This creates a particular problem in New Zealand with puha which, as mentioned before, naturally produces fluoroacetate and so can also absorb the synthetic version. Fortunately, puha is generally boiled before being consumed, so the 1080 is quickly dissolved in the water and chemically decomposes at boiling point, making puha safe to consume. 1080 works as a pesticide in mammals by depriving the animal of energy, eventually leading to death within 6 to 48 hours, but generally around 24 hours. As New Zealand's only native mammal is a bat which eats berries, 
1080 is much more practical here than in other countries. To understand how this works, we have to take a trip back to NCEA Level 2 Biology, where you might remember an important part of the cell known as mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, which breaks down glucose, converting it into energy for the cell, in a process known as cellular respiration. Remember how in the production of 1080, the acid was removed? Well, it turns out the 1080 wants that acid back. So once the animal cells absorb the 1080, it latches onto an acid compound already present in the animal cells, which then transforms the 1080 into fluorocitrate. However, to the mitochondria, it still appears to be the same acid compound it was before. So when the mitochondria goes to grab that acid compound, that good old acid compound he's been using forever, and goes to use it in one of his processes called the citric acid cycle, also known as the Krebs cycle, it doesn't work. The mitochondria gets confused and can't do his job, so the cell stops producing energy, which means cellular respiration is inhibited. With enough cells being shut down in this fashion, essential basic functions of the animal are affected, causing things like brain malfunction, respiratory failure, heart failure, and nervous system failure. If a stoat comes along and eats a 1080 killed rat or possum carcass, it has the same effect. As with all poisons in New Zealand, 1080 is required to go through an animal welfare test in order to score its level of humaneness on pests when killing them. The higher the number, the more suffering the animal goes through when dying. 1080 has a score of around 6 which is on the lower end of the scale when compared to other poisons used in New Zealand. Interestingly, domestic rat poison, which uses the chemical brodificum, which is much more inhumane than 1080, with a welfare score of 7.5 to 8. 1080 does not accumulate in mammals, and sublethal doses are simply metabolised out of the system, although it has been found that repeated exposure to sublethal doses of 1080 can cause damage to organs from extensive cell damage. However, 1080 does not alter the DNA of a cell, which means it does not cause mutations, and for this reason it's not classed as a carcinogenic or cancer-causing substance. In the 1950s, the Ministry of Agriculture and the New Zealand Forestry Service started a business called Animal Control Products Limited, or APC, to manage the importation and storage of toxins used in baits. They were tasked with importing biodegradable 1080, which was first used in New Zealand in 1954. APC, now known as Aurelium, is a state-owned enterprise based in Whanganui developing, producing and marketing a range of pest control products internationally under the brand Pestoff. They're the main producer of cereal 1080 baits in New Zealand, although competition in the market is starting to develop. Since the 1950s, technology behind biodegradable 1080 has had some huge developments. In the early days, 1080 was injected into carrots, which were dropped from the air into vast amounts of bushland. This approach was poorly targeted, and many species became interested in eating the carrots, causing a large amount of bi-kill, and leaving poisoned vegetables sitting around in the environment, which were relatively slow to break down compared to the modern cereal baits that we use today, and they could easily float down waterways into non-target areas of the environment. Between the 1950s and today, literally hundreds of scientific research papers have been published each year on 1080 in New Zealand. It's been investigated from almost every angle. We now use far less over a larger area and to better effect with less bio-kill. 
Here's a short list of the ways this has been achieved. In the 1950s, over 30 kg of bait was used per hectare. We now use 2 kg per hectare, with just 1.5 grams of Pure 1080 being used per kg. Pure 1080 makes up less than 0.15% of each cereal bait. Baits are now predominantly sown in cereal bait form. These are green to deter birds, with a sweet cinnamon taste to attract possums, stoats and rats. Cereal baits break down quickly in the environment and disintegrate in water. These baits can be laced with deer repellent to deter deer when they're not being targeted. GPS monitoring is used to track aerial bait sowing to create far more precision when dropping 1080 baits. The helicopter's GPS guides the pilot on a fixed path and records where each bait is dropped. A ground crew examines a test area on the ground according to the helicopter's GPS data to ensure the calibration is correct. After 1080 is sown, it instantly starts to biodegrade. And because 1080 is the salt version of fluoroacetate, this happens rather quickly, as the salt or sodium element of the poison attracts water and quickly starts diluting the fluoroacetate into smaller particles. Now remember, when making 1080, we compounded methyl chloroacetate and potassium fluoride. Well, it's that fluoride element which is key to the poison breaking down into harmless elements. This happens through a process called defluorinization, where microorganisms that are naturally occurring in the New Zealand environment, such as Pseudomonas, basically attach themselves to the fluoride and deconstruct it. So the 1080 is no longer 1080. It's not even the original chemicals used to manufacture it. The metabolization or breakdown of 1080 works best in an environment of 11 to 20 degrees Celsius and at 8 to 15% moisture, where it will take one to two weeks. In a stream, this can happen in a matter of hours. Extensive research has been done on 1080 and waterways. The Ministry of Health has set a limit of two parts of 1080 per billion litres of drinking water. In comparison, a black cup of tea contains 1.5 times that amount of fluoroacetate. The limit for all other waterways is 3.5 parts per billion. Drop zone waterways are routinely measured for 1080 residue for two weeks after a drop, which has created a huge amount of valuable data. Results show that 1080 in waterways is biodegraded to virtually undetectable levels in a matter of hours after a drop. In 20 years of monitoring, only six samples have been at or slightly below the Ministry of Health set limits, and these samples have been taken generally in the first few hours after a drop. A huge body of scientific and economic research has been done on pest control methods in New Zealand, which has found time after time that all other methods of pest control available pale in comparison to 1080 when measured on cost and effectiveness in controlling stoats, rats and possums in large remote areas of native bush. Two very important factors considering that DOC looks after over 8 million hectare of land in New Zealand and all this looking after is paid by us, the New Zealand taxpayer. With 1080 having a 95% kill rate for possums and 100% kill rate for rats at only $12 to $16 per hectare, it's not rocket science to see why 1080 comes up trump. Pest numbers are continuously monitored over the estate. The main measure is done via a large network of tracking tunnels, which contain bait and ink pads. The pests have to walk over the ink pads to get to the bait, and the remaining footprints are used to assess the amount and type of pests in that particular area. 
Among other methods, video surveillance and audio bird call monitoring are also used to assess the health of a particular part of native bush. When a spike in pest numbers is observed, doc have to step in and take action. Usually, for large remote areas, this action is in the form of 1080. A particular problematic time is what's known as the mast season, which is when our native beech trees seed, creating a huge food source for pests and predators, leading to a massive surge in their population. As our climate changes, the mast season is happening more regularly. 1080 is the only tool New Zealand has that is effective enough to manage pest numbers during a mast. All of the dock monitoring data for pests and native species is publicly available online or through the OIA. It all shows the same conclusion. In basic terms, areas of remote bush where 1080 is used, native wildlife thrives. And where it's not used, native wildlife is in rapid decline. It's that simple. Regardless of its effectiveness, 1080 is still a poison. Poisons kill things. Doc has made no secret that bykill, which is the killing of non-target species with 1080, is still an issue. Especially with Kia, who are naturally curious about anything unusual in their environment. And to many people, dropping poison from the sky still just seems morally wrong. The government and Doc understand all of this and are spending over $2 million a year on researching alternatives to 1080. Some progress has been made for small-scale areas which are geographically isolated with things like rivers and mountain ranges, with these situations seeing great benefits from self-resetting traps. On a large scale, the most promising candidate so far is a technology called CRISPR gene drive. This involves making a small edit to the pest's DNA and then releasing it into the wild. So for example, editing a possum to only have male offspring. Modelling has shown that releasing a number of these edited possums could completely wipe out New Zealand possums in less than 10 years.